Welcome to the 72nd edition of Coffee with Coach. We're excited to be back with you. Uh, the London games have come and passed, and we're going to touch on that a little bit. Mike, come on out here and let's talk a little ball. Jeff, how are you? It's it's a Friday night, and I'm not getting to play in London. I'm I'm, I'm very happy right now. Just going to chill. And are you have you recovered from your from your two weeks over in London doing the weekend thing? Do you know? Um, it really only hit me like maybe this afternoon that we had sort of went crazy in London for two weekends. But uh, I think I think I'm okay now. Um, I'm looking forward to the, to the two games next year, and obviously looking forward to, uh, I guess, Germany as well. Please God. Hey, well now tell me, what's your biggest takeaway? Having had the chance to go to both weekends games, what was your biggest takeaway of those two weekends? The stadium. Um, I've been to Wembley for. I've seen a few games. Seen the. Jags, Texans, seen Bengals, Washington. They were the Redskins back then, but uh, Washington football team, great stadium, but it's you, you're not as close to the action. And Tottenham was just, it was something else, man. Like it, there isn't a bad seat in that stadium, but just, just the atmosphere as well. I think the first game, especially, it really hit home to a lot of people that we haven't had this in two years. And I don't think it would matter if you were playing, you know, anybody on the field it, it was great and obviously you've seen it yourself jeff with the with the nfl field there and stuff it's it's perfection you know i i say this and people look at me kind of funny if they've never experienced those london games the international series games in london next to the super bowl they are the best game day environment i have ever been a part of and, and at any level of coaching i mean that's major bowl games that's nfl games that's you know uh cfl games Great Cups, it just the Super Bowl obviously is the granddaddy of them all. But the environment, you see all 32 teams represented, fans are there. It's just a big party for the whole weekend in London. And now, like you say, it's going to Germany. We're going to take take a game to Germany. And uh, where you, where's your where you gonna, where's your pick? You go Munich, you go Dusseldorf, you go Frankfurt. My uh, unofficial, completely rubbish sources. Look, anybody I spoke to at the weekend kept saying Munich and those were German guys and we spoke to somebody that worked on German TV and he, and he kept saying Munich he obviously wouldn't say and I know there's a whole process obviously officially but I think anywhere goes as good I think there's pros and there's pros and you you mentioned yourself previously I think Frankfurt would be pretty cool look you can fly from London or Dublin or anywhere to there so I selfishly would love to say Munich in Oktoberfest and I think you'd have to scrap the CFL for one year, Jeff, just to get over to experience it. Well, I'll tell you what, it, it, Munich has a beautiful stadium. The stadium that Bayern Munich, Munich plays in is outstanding. And obviously, it's a world-class city. It's right at the foot of the Alps. It's There's a lot of reasons why it would be a great weekend for any NFL fan. Hey, uh, I'm not going to I'm not going to hit the low hanging fruit, which are the Denver Broncos right now. So I, we're going to we're going to get to a, a Denver writer later in the show. But we're going to start off where our first guest today is a good friend of mine and a really, really fine football coach. One of the better offensive line coaches I've ever had the opportunity to be around. Uh, he's been the head coach of the Boston College Eagles. He's been an assistant in the NFL, uh, coached a lot of really big name players. And uh, as I said, is is a just a, a fun, fun guy to be around. Jeff Jagosinski, welcome to Coffee with Coach. Aloha. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Now, Jax, I want you to, for, for our listeners, I want you to kind of trace your football journey and some of the places that you've been, and then we'll kind of unpack it as you go. But hit us with the hit us with the start to where we got are today. 
Well, how far do you want to go back, Jeff? That's a long. That's a long way, man. Okay. Well, I, I know you grew up as a kid in Wisconsin, right? Okay. And then but once, went, but what, yeah, when you started coaching, you've been all over the place, man. East Carolina, been have, you know. Yeah, th this has been just a crazy journey, and this profession has taken me to places I would have never, never been able to do if I wasn't a football coach. It's just been really amazing. But I started in Wisconsin at a Division three school called Whitewater. And they are, they're a Division three powerhouse. They've won seven national championships. And um, so I started there, went to Northern Illinois. And uh, after Northern Illinois, I went to LSU for two years. That was quite an experience. I mean, with my Northern accent going down to Cajun land, I mean, they went, boy, you're not from around here. Are you? <laughs> right? So I went from LSU to East Carolina. And I thought I'd be at East Carolina for maybe a year or two and spent like eight years there. You know how that is, right? You just, yeah. you just stayed and, and um, I coached there. I was a tight end coach and then became the offensive line coach. And we were doing some really unique things back in the early 90s with Steve Logan. We were, we were in, and he was an NFL Europe uh, coordinator. Uh, yeah. You probably ran him, Jeff. Yeah. And we, we were running empty, no backs back in the early 90s. And it was it was quite an experience there. And then after that, I went to Boston College as the coordinator and O-line coach. And then I went to got an opportunity to go to the Green Bay Packers. And uh, Ron Wolf. Now, now Ron Wolf, for, a, the, for, a, for, a Wisconsin, for a Wisconsin kid to have a chance to go back and coach the Green Bay Packers, that had to be like unbelievable. You had to have pinched yourself and said, is this really true? I, you know, and I couldn't believe I, I, it just is one of those things and, and circumstances where I'd made a phone call and, and he and I asked, actually, it was Mike Sherman. He was the, he was uh, the head coach. He had just left to go to Seattle and um, we had some mutual friends and I asked him, well, how'd you get into the league? And he was, well, I was at A&M and I met a scout and, and I said, well, listen, just keep me in mind if something were to open up and then Holmgren takes the Seattle job and. Sherman calls me. He goes, "Hey, would you like to be the tight end coach here?" I go, "Yeah, yeah, I think I that." And Mark Chimera, Mark Chimera was a Boston College guy, right? He was a he was a tight end at the time at BC, and and uh, I remember Sherman says, "Hey, look," he goes, "Ron's not going to barter with you on salary." Little did they know, I would have walked on my hands and knees from Boston. <laughs> but I, you know, I ended up ended up getting. That's how I ended up getting into the league. And I was there for, I was in Green Bay for four years as a tight end coach. And then I went to Atlanta with Jimmy Mora. And uh, I was a tight end coach. And I was working with Alex Gibb, best offensive line coach I've ever, one of the best coaches I've ever been around. And he had actually had just passed recently. Uh, he, had a, he had a major stroke. But he's the architect of the zone blocking scheme. Absolutely. Denver Broncos and. He, uh, I, man, I was able to sit at that guy's knee for two years and then I became a line coach with, uh, Atlanta. And then after that, I got a chance to go back to green Bay as the offensive coordinator with Mike McCarthy. And then I spent one, one year there. And it's just, it was just one of those things. I mean, just these opportunities just kept coming up. And I was at Boston college prior back in 97, 98, and this was 2007. And I got a call to be 
the head coach at BC. And that was the really the only college job I was interested in because I knew those kids, what type of kids that I was going to be coaching and very coachable, smart, tough guys, got the big picture. And they were fun. They were fun to coach. It wasn't like um, you had to explain things a million times for those guys to get it. And I was very fortunate when I went back there. I had a good football team. I inherited a good football team. Tom O'Brien did a fabulous job there. And I had Matt Ryan was my starting quarterback. And okay, now, uh, you and I talked before. You and I talked this morning. And yeah. I did not realize. You started rattling off the pro bowlers and the great players that taught. Go through that Rolodex of names that you had at Boston College at that time. And, and, and it was amazing. And, again, that's why we won. Let me tell you something, Jeff. You know this. Good players make good coaches. And if you don't, if you don't have the talent or the players, I don't care how good a coach you are. It's just it's going to be hard to win. You know, uh, Coach Belichick, you know, I think one of the best football coaches ever to coach the game. Well, he loses a, probably one of the best quarterbacks ever to play the game. And, you know, and they struggle a little bit, you know, to move the ball. And so, I mean, it's, it's all about talent and having talent. And uh, but I inherited Matt Ryan was my quarterback. B.J. Raji was my three technique. Mark Herzlick was my middle linebacker. Robert Francois was the defensive end. And I had two number one tackles. I had Gouger Chairless at left mm-hmm. tackle. He was Detroit. And I had <laughs> and I had Anthony Costanzo was a first round pick. So I was like, wow, God, Jack, you're what a great coach. <laughs> I said, <laughs> you had Will Blackman was Will Blackman was one of your kids too, wasn't he? He was in the secondary. Yeah. Yeah. But again, I mean I, I was very fortunate. I, I had a really, really good football team and uh, we won the ACC division. And we played Virginia Tech in the in the ACC championship game, and we lost that game. We beat them during the season, and then we lost to them in the championship game. And then the next year, it repeated itself. So we got a chance. New quarterback. All those other guys were were gone now. Uh, we had to replace some guys, but we ended up going back to the championship game again. Beat Virginia Tech during the season, and we we lost them, you know, in the, in the ACC championship game. But that was a that was an awesome awesome experience. I loved BC. And the best college job I ever had. And it was unfortunate how I ended that my career there. I ended up having a chance to interview with the New York Jets. And the AD said I couldn't do it. And we got into uh, a thing. I said, Gene, we just won 20, 21 games here in, in two years at, at BC. And it was just an interview. And it's just a conversation. And I always say this too you know, an interview is just a conversation between parties. And, I mean, it's one of 32 teams. The NFL is the highest level. And to be able to get an opportunity to go interview with the Jets, I did that and ended up, he ended up letting me go. So that was that was kind of a low light uh, of that. You know, I, that, that's an amazing story. Yeah, that, that, that's an amazing story, Jackson. And, I, and I, when you first recounted it to me when we were working together in, you know, in the Spring League, and I had heard the story that, you were going to go to the Jets and you were going to interview and that the AD said, if you go, you don't have a job here anymore. And I thought right. to myself, what in the world kind of AD is have, that? Have you ever heard of anything since? Never, never. I, I, and I don't think it was ever, ever done before. And I, I don't know. And, and I look back and, you know, in hindsight, it's 2020. I wish I would have never done that because I really believe we would have continued to win at BC at a 
pretty high level, and I would have gotten an opportunity to have gotten into the NFL as the head coach. I, I mean, well, I, I truly believe that. Well, you think about it. Tom O'Brien, Tom Coughlin, Jack Bicknell, Joe Ukeka. There have been some really, really good football coaches at Boston College, and I don't think, Jags, and I don't know this for a fact, but I don't think there's ever been a two-year run where they won 21 games in two years. I don't think that's ever happened to Boston College other than when you did. So the first year we had, we had an 8-0 start, and that was, and we ended up getting number two in the country. We were number two in the country at one point, and that was the best record at BC, best start BC ever had since 1943. So, and BC, BC is, a, is, a, is, a good, is a good job. It's a challenge. There's some challenges. But the best thing is the kids that they had. They're just quality, quality guys, you know, because you had to be smart to get in there to start with. And the recruiting, you had to recruit a special type of kid. So, but BC was just an awesome experience. And I wish it could have lasted longer because I think we could have done some really good things there. But, you know, that it, that's hindsight. You know, that just, it happened. And so, you know, I ended up moving on and, you know, I bounced around and, talked about what pro leagues we've been in right so yeah i went up to omaha i was i was coaching in the omaha nighthawks and that was quite an experience we played at rosenblatt stadium in in omaha where they played the old, the old, ba- the old college world but, series stadium yeah rosenblatt and the, here's the thing they the the uh the sideline we didn't have 120 yards right so it was 107 so guys would come and uh Coaches Denny Green and and Jim Fossil was one of the head coaches and Jay Gruden was one of the coaches and I told him I said look I said if you're gonna throw a fade ball probably throw it into that end zone over there because you just have to have it. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, I said, just, you know but but every place I've been Jeff it's been really good experience I had a chance to go to uh, the XFL uh, Dallas Renegades with. Bob Stoops and Hal Mummy's the coordinator, and it was, that was an awesome experience. And I really believe that league would have made it, but the COVID, the COVID knocked it out, right? And I really thought, and Bob Stoops was an awesome guy to work with, and and I was really excited when I got there. I wanted to see how he ran an organization, you know, how he mm-hmm. how he talked to the team and everything, and and that was really interesting. And I, I can see why Bob and Bob had great talent at Oklahoma, but I can see why he he was really successful. I mean, he really knew how to talk to the team and, and get teams ready. And that's what that's what I really wanted. It wasn't so much the X and O's with the, the Renegades job. Is I wanted to see you know, Bob Stoops and things. It was really right. fun, you know, be, now, to be with him. I'm glad for COVID on one regard because it gave me a chance to get to work with you in the spring league, and we we had we had some fun. I'm going to tell the story about coming out of the stadium in San Antonio. <laughs> Just so the fans know, like Jags and I are, are are guys that at the end of the game, you know, you, you just want to get the heck out of the get the heck out of the locker room and get, you know, get, we're staying at a hotel in downtown downtown San Antonio, and so the bus that took the kids back to the back to the hotel was about it. You had to wait like an hour and a half after the game to get out of the stadium to go back on the bus. And we want to go back and get something to eat and drink a few drink a few beers. Yeah. So we're go ahead. Walk by. What's that? It was only a 10-minute walk and it was cold. Yeah, I, I 
I'm trying. I'm trying to. I'm trying not to. I'm trying not to make it sound so so soft. But anyway, so we're, as we're walking out of the place, the ambulance that they have to hire to so in case somebody gets hurt in the game, say, you know, that's just a requirement. You have to have an ambulance there. So the ambulance is just getting ready to leave. So I go over and knock on the door, and Jags and I convince these two. Uh, female ambulance attendees to let us ride in the back of the ambulance back, back to the hotel. And we, it was one of those all time moments that, that you just, you know, when you're with a buddy and you do something nutty and you get them to put the, put the lights and the siren on, on the ambulance on the way back to the hotel. It was just a, one of those moments. And, you know, that's, that's the kind of, that's the stuff you love about coaching. Did I lose? Did we lose it? Did we lose Jags? I didn't want it to get warm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take Jags in and out again and hope that it works two seconds. That's, that's all. I'm gonna just say a very quick prayer here. Okay, let's see. This is like Jeff last week. Jags, can you hear us? Yeah. I tell you what, it it was so funny when we those. You come back to the hotel in an ambulance and get out of the back of the get out of the back of the ambulance and walk into the hotel. They thought we were completely out of completely out of our minds. Jags, do you want to? If, if you can hear me, man, do you want to even just try and go off and go back on again? If you're on your cell phone, just go off and back on again and see if that works. I'm going to type that in here now as well, Jeff, and see. Uh, good shot so far. Yeah. I, I, he's, I, I'm telling you, one of the greatest guys I've ever worked with, a really, really good football coach. And I want to get to, when we get him back, I want to get to what it was like to be at uh, to be at uh, the Packers. He's here? Have, Is he here? have both Rodgers and Favre. You, I think it's back working, with, Coach. Back with this coach? There's a bit of a delay. There's a bit of a delay. Oh, man. Ah, shoots. I, that's terrible. That's too bad. Jags, you, Jags, you with us? Oh, man. There's a, there's a big delay. So, yeah. Yep. Let's see. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, f- I feel bad now because, you know, obviously we're live and stuff. And we're trying to get them on. Um, if you can hear us, Jags, if you want to even just come out and come back in again, we'll see if it works. But it's not coming. It's not coming on our side at all. So. Jeff, I feel bad for you, man. This is what happened to me last week with you whenever you were getting, you thought it was a good idea to start the show in the car uh, on the freeway or whatever. And uh, suddenly I was interviewing a former pro bowler or whatever and, you know, off the cuff. But uh, I feel bad for Coach. It's uh, If if Jags can hear me, Jeff, basically it's it's splitting up, it's buffering. Yeah, I don't think it's going to work. Yeah. When I hey, talked well, to him, when I talked to him on his phone today, it was doing that same thing. So I don't know if that's just a problem he's got with his internet. Or it could be Wi-Fi. Yeah. I'm gonna try and so if you can hear this, I'm just gonna kick him from the studio and see if he can come back in again. Maybe that maybe he might get offended with that. Maybe he won't. I don't know. You're gonna have to patch it up for me now, man. I feel bad if not. But uh, tell you what, do you want to take two seconds and see if if do you want to do you want to text him on that and I can hit be right back or or what's the uh, yeah, let, let's do that, and let's let's uh, let's 
I'll have to run and grab my phone because I didn't bring my phone in here because I brought it. In yeah, here. yeah, no worries. Uh, Marion from Ireland is saying two paramedics bringing you for a lift in, 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 in regards to last week. Yeah, two seconds. We'll see you guys and we'll see if we can get Coach back on. If all not, right. it's all good. Hello, Coach. How are you? This is the joys of being live. It's working, then it's not working, and I think it's working. Let's see. We'll try again in a second. And then uh, he's going to try and get on the phone and then get back with us because uh, we got we got plenty more plenty more crazy stories. I don't know if I got anything as crazy as getting brought back to the team hotel in an ambulance, but <laughs> basically, Jeff, what happened was uh, you left there, right? So immediately after you left and got up, and I I, I could see this and people couldn't see this. Obviously, Coach Jags comes back on again. And I'm like, oh no. Okay, so I try and bring him on. It wasn't working. So hopefully it does work. He's setting up his computer. Let's see what happens. Uh, we have got a guy coming on after um, Ian Sinclair from Malhai Report. He's going to talk a bit about potentially, Jeff, the next firing in the NFL. Well, that's uh, one of the topics that, that uh, we've been discussing on Inside the Huddle and some of the other things I do. Uh, hey, look at Owen Thomas is back with us. Hey, coach, will Deshaun Watson be a, in the Dolphins uniform after November 2nd? From Mumbles, Wales, Owen Thomas, I got to tell you, I would be, I kind of agree with the sentiment that I'm I'm not sure I'd make that trade if I'm the Dolphins. And, um, you know, first thing you're going to have to figure out is what you're going to do with Tua, unless he's a part of the trade. And, um, you know, you, you, you're so much hanging around that, that issue. There's so many issues hanging around that trade that are uncertain. Um, you know, I just really think that it's a, it's a, tough one and it's going to be a heavy price tag now if you can get him for little or no expenditure then you know you might be thinking about it but obviously uh like i said there's an awful lot that's that's 
we we are not privy to a lot of information about that situation that we're not privy to, but mm. we'll find out very shortly. I know Flores today came out and said that uh, two is their quarterback and, you know, but that's a little bit like saying, you know, the King is dead long live the King because, uh, you know, obviously he's your quarterback until you get a new one or until you draft a new one or sign a new one or, you know, or he gets hurt or whatever. I mean, that's, that's kind of a, kind of a, you know, standard coach speak answer. Jeff, I, I just just very quickly, I, I will come back to that topic, but I love how we now have this. This is now here, just in case of any. Uh, you know, we we need that thing. Finish. We need that thing every time we get on this show. We need that thing. <laughs> hey, uh, we had some we had some questions from from people I saw came across in on Twitter, and you know, let's hit those while we're waiting on Jags to get. I, I will do. I'll just just very quickly to say about. Um, very quickly to say about Deshaun Watson. I personally, Jeff, don't think he's going to go anywhere. Um, I just, I can't see it. I just cannot see how he's going to go anywhere. I think this is all talk to try and bring him back into the, to, you know, almost the four light again. But there was one report this week, Jeff. You were talking about obviously the things that we're not privy to. There was talk this week this, that apparently he's close to an agreement where any civil, except, or, you know, all that sort of stuff will be. I guess taken away when that trade is made. Uh, there was a comment two seconds. Um, ah, yes, uh, Sean, who's a Bengals fan in London, I seen this on YouTube. Here comes Coach. By the way, very quickly, Bengals flying well, Jeff. Four and two. Are they the real deal? We'll find out this weekend because they got a real test. They're going to play a really good Ravens team, and I, I think this is where this is where the rubber meets the road for the Bengals. We'll find out just how good they are. Because we certainly know the Ravens are very good. Tom about rubber meeting the road, Jeff. Look, look is he this. back? All right, Jags. <laughs> great to have you back. Sorry, coach, sorry, man. Sorry, I got no, I no, no. I couldn't. Do. All right, now I, we got you back. I got to get to the Packers time. The time that you were with the Packers, those years with the Packers, you've got two quarterbacks in the building. One named Favre and the other named Rogers. That's pretty good. Couple of quarterbacks to be working with every day. I, I tell you. It was unbelievable. But here's the thing. We didn't know how good Aaron Rodgers was going to be, you know, because he sat he sat behind Brett for three, four years. And he never he never played because because Brett was always Brett. Right. He never he never missed a game. And Brett and and Brett, their interaction wasn't because I think they wanted Brett to be like a mentor to Aaron. And I, and I don't think Brett really wanted to do that. I, <laughs> just kind of like watch me how I do it, you know. Was, yeah. But um, but those two players were unbelievable, unbelievable how how good they were. And the thing is, there's a common thread with those great quarterbacks. And I've and I've been so lucky to be around good ones. I had Mike Vick in Atlanta. I had you know Brett and. Shoot, I've had like seven Pro Bowl quarterbacks. Matt Ryan. I mean, holy Matt shoot, Ryan. Man. Matt Matt had had Matt Hasselbeck. Wow. Uh, Aaron Brooks. Wow. I mean, just it was just I've been lucky, you know. And they always have a, a pretty good guy. I was Jeff Blake in in East Carolina. Yep. So there's just like player after player after player, and they were just like fabulous guys. But um, Brett, I mean Brett. A couple of things, just quick stories with with him. He we were sitting in the indoor facility and we we're sitting on the 50 yard line. And he goes, what do you think? I go, what do you mean? He goes, see that, that, that little box up there for the camera. He goes, what do you think? 
What do you mean? Bam! Right. I mean, you know, <laughs> I, you know how high it is, right? Right through the right through the hole. Didn't even move his feet. Just bam! I went. <laughs> you know what? Jerry Glanville told me that when Favre was a rookie in Atlanta, right? He was so far away from playing, and Glanville, I, I, I don't. He just didn't have any time for him. So when they would go on the road, Favre's only job was in the pre in the walkthrough. Remember when he used to walk through the day before a game? Uh-huh. At the walkthrough, they would always see if he could throw it into the upper deck at every stadium that they went to. But that was Brett's. That that was all Brett got. To, that was the only throwing Brett here, got to do all weekend. Here here was a story, and Brett Brett just got in. Brett had just started playing in in Green Bay, and the story goes that. Uh, Brett takes a snap and just launches a rocket ball, right? And and he comes off to the sideline and Holmgren goes, what the hell are you doing? He goes, what do you mean? He goes, you know, you're fully protected on that. He goes, how the hell would I know that? (laughs) (laughs) You know, he he would, he would do stuff like he'd wear like a one bar helmet at practice. And he just was like a, he was just like a big kid. Was it true that, when he came to the Packers, he did not even know what a nickel defense was. That that is a true story. And again, the same thing goes. How the hell would I know that? He goes, <laughs> Why would they change the name? <laughs> he was beautiful, man. He was he was he was great. How how, how beloved was he with his offensive lineman and and that football? They they loved him. They be, because he was like a guy's guy, like. It, We'd run a reverse, and Brett would be going down the field and cutting Spielman. We're playing Detroit, and he's literally throwing, cutting a guy down downfield. Like, who does that? Not, not, not very many quarterbacks anymore. No, he, he also was a guy that would go like deer hunting in his off days and stuff, right? I mean, like he was like, a, he would, oh, yeah. and he would take in, in between practices. In between practices, he'd go chip in the indoor facility. You know, golfing and just take his, <laughs> take his wedge, take his wedge in there. And so, well, I heard another story, and this was with I think Mooch. It was before I was there, but Mooch got a Mooch was uh, presenting a play, and and he says, "Hey, Brett, what you know? What's the progression here?" And you know, on the drawing, it's got yeah. like here's the first progression, the second progression. He goes, "Brett, what's the progression?" He goes, "One, two, three. <laughs> 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 you know, he, he, he just he was he was just he was beautiful man he was he was really really special all right now how did how did rogers compare both as a quarterback arm arm talent wise footwork wise you know you said you didn't nobody could foresee him being the player that he's become today. no do you have any idea jags why he slipped in the draft as, as far you as know what i you know i don't i don't know um I know that like Mike and those guys are in San Francisco and they passed on him and went with Alex Smith. Right. You know, when I think uh, it was, it was um, Mike was a coordinator and I think it was Nolan. Yep. Nolan was the head coach up there and they, and they passed on him for whatever reason. They, they just passed on him. And I have no idea why he slipped, but I mean, it was what a great pick. I think he was like 23rd, yeah. 23rd player taken in the draft. Well, I just remember that, that, awful awful green room scene where all the other guys have been drafted he's in there by himself and you know he just keeps sliding and sliding and you could tell the you could tell how painful that was do you yeah. think that do you think he still carries that with him a little bit i you know i think 
you know, I, you probably like at first with Mike, he goes, hey, man, you didn't pick me. How come? You know, it's probably probably one of those type of deals. But one thing about Aaron, he is the, probably one of the most competitive quarterbacks I've ever been around. So we used to have Mike. Mike had what was called a quarterback school in the offseason. Well, Brett wasn't at that, but but like Aaron was there and, and we had a bunch of bunch of different guys coming in and out. But it was like. I mean, it was school in the morning, it was film work, it was board work, and then we went out, worked the guys out, and then we came back. It was like quarterback school. That's what it was, like every day in the offseason. And Aaron was like super competitive. Like we would do these individual drills that you get timed and how many you can do it, and and he was just super competitive. And, and I even asked Mike, I go, Mike, how, when, when he was really playing well in Green Bay, which he still is, but I go, Mike, I go, did you know how good he was going to be? Because Mike, you know, Mike had Joe Montana at Kansas City. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's been with great players this Steve whole Young, career. Yeah. He goes, he's he was best I've seen. Wow. I'm like, wow, that's, you know, that's quite quite a praise, you know. And yeah. can you imagine, Jeff, being in an organization where they've had a Hall of Fame quarterback underneath center for a quarter of a century? More than that. Yeah, it's incredible. It really, really is incredible. And speaking of that now, were you surprised at all as a guy that, you know, was in that building for a number of years, right? Were you surprised at all by what went on this off season between Rogers and the franchise? And, you know, you know, Jeff, I was, I, I to be real honest with you, I've, I've been removed from that, that, that part, you know, cause I, I, I wasn't with him later on. I mean, I was back in 06, you know, so that's been quite a few years and, I don't know. I mean, you never know what a guy's where a guy's head is at, you know, a superstar, especially. And, you know, the guy just carries the franchise, you know, that and that was the thing that surprised me so much was because, you know, he was so public with, yeah. with you know, his concerns about, you know, what was going on there. And you're if you were a betting man, if we we're in Vegas today, you and I were at the Luxor in Vegas and, and uh, you know, and you, we were betting on whether he would be in Green Bay next year or not be in Green Bay next year. What would you say? I, I think I, it depends on what kind of season that they end up with. Now they're still playing pretty, pretty good football. You know, just this is just my opinion. I think without Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay is an eight and eight, nine and seven football team. I, that's yeah. just my opinion. And again, I, but that's just what that guy brings to a franchise. And, yeah. you know, and they had, the, I think, the love kid. Yeah. He's probably pretty good football. I don't really know him, you know, and studied him. But just saying you take, a, again, a Hall of Fame quarterback out of your line, lineup that still can play at a super high level because he's the MVP last year. And then just put in a guy that's been in there, like, for one, two years. I think Green Bay is probably a 9-7, and 8-8 eight and eight team. And I may be totally wrong, but I don't think so. Because, you know, every league, Jeff, you're in, it's quarterback driven. Yeah. And just take a look around the NFL, the teams that don't have one and the ones that do, they're all playing really good. And because if you don't have a quarterback, you just can't function. You just, you can't. It, the, the days of like when they had, who was that, the quarterback they had up in? Um, Trent, Trent Dilfer? Baltimore. Baltimore. Yeah. The defense yeah. was so dominating. Yeah. And they didn't have to score a lot of points. I, I just, I don't think it's like that anymore because the, the offenses are so dynamic now and so explosive. You have to have a guy behind the quarterback or the center that can pull the trigger. Well, I think I think there's some teams finding that out. You know, you know the, the 
there's the Chicago Bears are a perfect example. Yeah. They have struggled. They've had great defenses in Chicago, defenses yeah. that are worthy of a Super Bowl and a Super Bowl team, but they've never been able to find that quarterback. And I mean, you're going back. I'm going back all the way to, you know, Bobby Douglas and Jack Kincannon and all those guys back. Look, look at the number of yeah, look at the number of guys they've had. That's what I'm saying. And again, you look at Green Bay, hundred so miles up the road, right? Two guys. Yeah. Gold jackets. Yeah. Quarter of a century. And then you go back even a little further, and there's a gold jacket guy there, worn number 15. He was pretty good too. <laughs> pretty pretty damn good too. So you know, one of the one of the things that I that I have, Jeff, is probably and, and I've never asked guys for autographs. I just I just never did that, right? But I've got a football with all three of those quarterbacks. I so say that that baby's worth a few. And, and, and I remember I had Bart Starr and I got a yeah. picture. Someone took a picture of me when I asked Bart to, to sign it. And I got a picture of myself with, as he's signing it. And, and what a special guy he was. Yeah. You know, let's talk about that place. Right. Yeah. And, you know, obviously you've been in Atlanta, you've been in Tampa, you've been, you've been around a lot of pro football and a lot of college football. When it's game day in Green Bay, What's that? What's that environment like? It's a lot. You know, where you see like Saturday, like um, college game days, how just exciting. And that's the way it is. But just think now, like in Green Bay, there's not much. It's, it's such a small city, right? The, there's like houses right next to the stadium where people park. Right. And it's just a small it's a small community, which all of a sudden here's this big spaceship of a stadium. And they've had they've had sellouts there for I Jeff, I can't even, you know, to get season tickets, a lot of people do is when their kids are born, they put them on the season ticket waiting list. And usually when they're about 25, they get they here comes my season tickets. Goodness. You can't get a ticket. You just that's, that's amazing. That's yeah, amazing. You can't, now, does it does it really smell like bratwurst on the charcoal? percent It's the best. <laughs> Brats and beer and absolutely, it, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. And you know, when people during camp, training camp, people take their vacations around training camp. And I mean, they got thousands of people around the fence and they would have, you know, the kids, the kids bring their bikes and, you know, the players ride the bikes and the kids stand on the back, you know, and they wear the helmets. It's just such a, it's such a unique place. It's just, it's really a special place. That's for sure. Well, I, I tell you what, it's awesome, awesome stories, man. Awesome to have you with us. Jags, you got to come back and do this again because well, – Let's do it. We got a lot of stories. A lot of stories, a lot of great football memories, and a lot of things that, you know, the average fan never gets to hear these kind of stories. Right, because they, right. they don't get a chance to sit down and have a beer with you and me and, and, and hash it out. But, uh, hey, man, I love you, and thank you so much for doing this. Thanks, we will, man. We will get you back on soon. Hey, good luck. Hey, good luck the rest of the season. Go get in that playoffs. I got you. We will take care of that for you, buddy. Yeah, Jeff. All right. Jeff Jagosinski, one of the all-time great guys and a great football coach. And thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing some stories about the Green Bay Packers, Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers. And, and we, I tell you what, we might have to get him back as a regular. He was great. And you know what? Fair play to Coach Jags for actually getting the Wi-Fi going. Like the amount of times in, on different shows, Jeff, we've, 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 we've had issues. And look, not just that there. Um, great great conversation. Seems like a great guy as well. Seems like a great guy to share a pint with. And shout out to Tag Leader. I know he was over in Poland as well. 
Yeah. So, uh, yep. yeah. He, uh, he, he is one, like I said, he is one of my best friends and a really, really good guy, really great football coach. And, and a guy that's with no pretense, like he doesn't have any attitude. He's a big time guy. And, you know, again, if you sat down and, and, uh, like you said, had a, had a Guinness with him. If if he drinks Guinness, I don't know. Uh, you would you'd fall in love with him too because he's a wonderful man. What do you I got? You got any questions? You got any questions for me, Michael? I know we're gonna, we're gonna lose the questions, but we'll, 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 we will. I swear to you, we, we'll put them in at the end. Yeah, hundred percent. And if anybody has any questions in this next segment as well, even if they're not one team related, get them in, and we'll we'll spend the end doing it. Uh, Jeff, I I am I have been regretting talking about this team for the last forty one minutes, but I have to. Uh, We've got um, Ian Sinclair who's on. So Ian works for Malhai Report, which is, to be honest with you, the main, the main Broncos resource, I would say, in the world. Uh, some fantastic articles. Articles. He also works for Colorado Play as well, uh, or Play Colorado. I, I keep getting that one all mixed up. But uh, I, it's going to be interesting, Jeff, to hear what he says on uh, Vic Fangio, especially after last night. Do we bring him in? Yeah. Yeah, let's bring in Ian. Let's... Ian, welcome to Coffee with Coach. It's great to have you with us. It's great to be with you, Jeff. I'm excited to talk about the Broncos, even though it's not exciting to watch the Broncos currently. I, I tell you what, I, I got to tell you, Michael said, uh, I got I got a guest for you today. And he said, I got Ian Sinclair. And I went, what? And because we had a center named Ian Sinclair, who was played at the University of Miami with the, you know, with those great hurricane teams in the uh, in the 80s. And uh, and then came on up and played in Canada for a number of years. And I thought, holy God, you got you got Ian on the show. What a great get. And I didn't realize it was you and even better get because you are the authority on on the Denver Broncos. And man, oh, man, oh, man, do we have a lot to chop up. Yeah, well, we definitely do. And I, I won't go as far as to say we are the authority, but uh, people love what we do at Mile High Report with our podcasting and the different articles that we throw out. So uh, it, it's definitely uh, a privilege and an honor to hear that. So thank you. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you the truth because Nick Ferguson, who played for the, for the uh, Broncos and was on those last playoff teams with the Broncos before the Super Bowl, uh, is a really close friend of mine. And he's now a talk show host in, in Denver. Yep. And he, he mentioned you guys as being some of the foremost authorities on the Broncos. Ma'atanavasa. I want to throw that name to you. See what your what your take on Ma'atanavasa is or was. Uh, he was a, a a key member of the Broncos' defensive line for the Super Bowl years. Uh, was there with Trevor Price and Neil Smith when he came over from the Chiefs with Alfred Williams. Was a a key member in allowing the Broncos' defense to get the pressure that they did on quarterbacks and and give that what we call complimentary football. You, co you, you know that very well, Coach, how important complimentary football is. And Mike Shanahan talked about it all the time, about how you need to have all three phases, as cliche as it was. But that was what Coach Shanahan harped on back then, and Ma'a Tanavasa was a huge part of that. You know, Ma'a is a Hawaiian kid, and, and I've done some work with him in his native Samoa. And uh, he, he's really an awesome dude. And, I, you know, you don't realize that – I think it was either Neil or, but he actually on one of those Super Bowl teams tied for the lead in sacks. Yeah, he did on that D line, and you know was the guy that nobody ever talked about because those other guys were such flash players. But let's talk complimentary football that ain't so complimentary right now. And you know the Broncos for all their you know for all the good things they seem to be able to do on defense, offensively they just can't score points. 
And that's been the case for five years. Since Peyton Manning retired, that's been the case for this team. And I think nothing epitomizes the Broncos offense more than the repeated throwing short of the sticks on third down. You need third and nine. It's like that old saying back in the day where three yards and a cloud of dust. That's the Broncos passing game right now on third down. You need three yards, you'll get three yards. You need nine yards, you'll get three yards. I mean, it's maddening. And whether it's Pat Shermer's play calling or it was Rich Scangarello or Gary Kubiak and Rick Dennison after Peyton Manning retired, that seems like 84 years ago right now. It, it just it's the same repeated stuff over and over again where they they just can't get anything going. They can maybe move the ball from time to time, but it's not consistent. And as you said, they can't score points. They can't score touchdowns. And that's why this team is in the position it is right now. Well, you know, you got names like Hamler, Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant. I mean, there are players there. Now, the fact that those players aren't playing at the level that, you know, their, their, their grades or their draft pick, I mean, they should be able to score points. And, I, you know, again, again, this is just my take. I'm really interested to hear your take. Teddy has turned into almost like the ultimate game manager and they don't push the ball down the field. And, you know, Sutton, Sutton made a couple plays the other night that just, you went, wow, that guy is a true WR one. And, but their offense doesn't reflect it in terms of production. It doesn't, they, they can't run the ball. I, I think the stats are skewed a little bit. Our Joe Mahoney from mile high report pointed out that the current stats for the rushing for the Broncos is skewed by the large runs that they've had. So you can't consistently run the ball because the offensive line can't block. Teddy Bridgewater is on constant harassment. It was a little bit better on Thursday night going against Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney, but he was still scrambling. He he now I think is seeing ghosts, and he he really is a game manager. I, I the first three games were clearly a mirage, but what they did offensively, the Jets don't have a bad a bad defense. No, they're, they're a, a bad team, but they're not a bad defense. And they were still able to do things that you should be able to do on a consistent basis. And they just haven't been able to do. And it's not just Teddy Bridgewater. It's the offensive line. It's not being able to run the football. It's the play calling that is driving fans and people in the media mad because it's so inconsistent and you never know what you're going to get. So it, it to, to say frustration is thick right now in Broncos country is an understatement. But like I said, it's been like this for five years, and I just don't see how it ends until you get that QB1. You guys talked about it on your previous segment about how this is a quarterback-driven league, and nothing exemplifies that more than the Denver Broncos the last five years. Okay, now let's – it's one thing to say that's the problem. It's another thing to say, okay, how did this happen? I mean, John Elway, I, and, and I'm and I, I'm a fan of John Elway's, but you look at the the number of misses at the position that he played. Uh, that's scary. Yeah, it, it really is. And uh, Woody Page, longtime Denver Post or Denver sports columnist, was with the Denver Post for a long time. He's now with the the Denver and Colorado Springs Gazette brought up that a couple, I think it was like a, a week ago where he talked about how Vic Fangio and, and Pat Shermer 
are on the chopping block. But he mentioned how in 2018, they could have had Mike Shanahan and Josh Allen. And just think about how different all of this could be right now had Joe Ellis not blocked that from happening. And he was the main reason that that didn't happen. Mm -hmm. And I think when you look at the reason the Broncos are in this situation right now, it starts at the top. There is no Pat Bolin. There is no consistent leadership at the top. And that's Joe Ellis. Joe Ellis, from the top down, has allowed this to fester. It is now a norm for Bron for the Broncos to be in this position. And as Kyle Brandt said during the preseason on Good Morning Football and NFL Network, the Broncos are irrelevant now. And it's not just John Elway on the, on the misses at quarterback. It, it's on Joe Ellis for allowing this to fester. No owner in place. And it's just the way that it shifted from Pat Bowen to now is sad. It's maddening and it's beyond frustrating. You know, it, you know, Mr. Bowen, who actually is a, was a native Canadian and, mm -hmm. you know, was instrumental. I don't know if you know this, Ian, but he was instrumental in brokering a deal in 1996 between the NFL and the CFL that probably saved the CFL where the NFL gave, I think it was at that time, three quarters of a million dollars to every one of the franchises to allow them to access our players in the option year of their contracts. And that was really Pat's doing because he, you know, he, he and Hugh Campbell, who were close friends, wanted to see our league survive. And I've, I've always been a fan of him. I remember going to uh, training camp at the Broncos to, as a, you know, to uh, observe when Wade that, that would have been in Greeley, yeah. my hometown. Yep, yep. And when Joe Glenn was the head coach of uh, Northern Colorado. Yep. And so, you know, you went up there and, and everything was first class. You know, the organization was first class. The coaching was, you know, you had great. I mean, it was, there was, that's pride about wearing that orange. And, you know, and you go all the way back to Carl Mecklenburg and the Orange Crush days. I mean, that's, that, it's such an iconic franchise. And to hear, uh, you know, to hear somebody from Denver say they're irrelevant is almost impossible for me to hear. It, it, for me to actually say it and wrap my head around it is hard for me to to contemplate. I mean, it, the thing about Pat Bolin was that he made it a family. It was the, the way that former players talk about him to this day. Mm -hmm. Steve Atwater, Rod Smith, Terrell Davis, Shannon Sharp, Hall of Fame players, the best to ever do what they did and have that respect and love and admiration for Pat Bolin and to see how far it's fallen. It, it, it blows me away and it's hard for me to understand it because the Broncos were the class of the National Football League throughout Pat Bolin's ownership. I, I mean, the stats speak for themselves. He's one of the most important figures in NFL history. You mentioned saving the CFL. He was vital in expanding the NFL beyond the borders of America, getting games in Europe and in Japan and Mexico when the Broncos played in the preseason. I, I mean, Terrell Davis got his, uh, the, his, the his highlight that, in Tokyo, right? Yeah, exactly. That that was because of Pat Bolin wanting to get the NFL outside of America. And now to hear people and me, a lifelong fan of the Broncos who went to the, the training camp practices at Butler Hancock field at Northern Colorado and was waiting for John Elway to potentially show up, but he always took the golf cart around to the other <laughs> side. So you, you settled for Steve Atwater. 
I, I mean, it, it just, it's depressing. It's saddening. And I, I, I just, the only way this is all going to change, whether Vic Fangio or Pat Shermer are fired at some point, I mean, it's inevitable, but it's not going to change until a new owner is in place. All right. That, that was my next question to you is, okay, where do we go from here? How does it come back? How does it become what it once was? Or can it ever recapture that magic? I would hope that whoever eventually ends up as the owner and a new owner won't be approved by the other 31 members and or the other 31 owners until March of next year. But I think we'll have an idea. I think we already basically have an idea of who the next owner of the Broncos is going to be. It, it's no secret that Jeff Bezos wants to become an owner of the in, in, in the NFL. He's uh, sat in Roger Goodell's box at the Rams Patriots Super Bowl a couple of years ago. The NFL obviously wants Jeff Bezos. They they know he's the richest man in the world. They want Amazon. A lot of fans would love to be able to watch the NFL streaming on Amazon. So it's no secret, but I, I think I would hope that if it is Jeff Bezos, for example, that he gets people in place who knew Pat Bolin, he would know that Pat Bolin is an icon here and that the way that he ran his franchise is the way to do it. So he would try to do everything he could to resemble that. And that would be the first step to recognize that there's a way to do it. Pat Bolin did it. I'm going to do my best to mimic it. Not to say that I'm going to be Pat Bolin, but that was a successful way to go about it. And I, I'm going to do my best to, to follow in those footsteps. Obviously, Jeff Bezos knows how to have success in business with what he was able to do with Amazon and being the richest man in the world. So he has his own ideas and his own concepts of how to run a business. But that would be my hope is that all you have to do is go to the Ring of Fame Plaza hmm. and you see the statue of Pat Bowen to know that he is still and forever going to be overlooking this franchise. No matter how long it is that he's passed, that he isn't around, he is always going to have an impact on this organization. All right. Now, be, we're going to play a little we're going to play a little quick word association game before we let you go, but I want to go to another topic along that same line. Can Fangio survive this? No. You think the die's been cast now? I, I think it's one of those things where everyone knows that it's inevitable. I think it, it's at the point now where how long do you wait? And what is the final straw to make it happen? I mean, I don't think it's really going to make that big of a difference. It might. All we have to do is look at the Raiders where <laughs> Vic Fangio was outcoached by a team that didn't have a head coach. Uh, so it, I, I think there is that codifying aspect of it where the players will come together and they'll want to say this isn't who we are as a team. So that there's always that possibility. But I, I think at this point, it's inevitable. Now they're just waiting. Okay. I, I, we play this game every once in a while, and I love to do it And because when obviously you can – I can hear the passion you have for the Broncos through your voice, right? Yeah. So I'm going to throw some names at you, and I want you to come back to me with your first recollection. It could be one word. It could be a sentence. It could be a story, anything, okay? So I'm going to start with this one. 
from 1971 to 1978. So you'd have been just a little dude. I wasn't even born yet. Okay. Well, you this personality it was so big and still looms large in, in the NFL. Lyle Alzado. One of the most, if not the most, underappreciated members of the Denver Broncos entire history. I have pushed and pleaded, and I will continue to do so, that he is a member of the Broncos Ring of Fame. Because there is no orange crush without Lyle Alzado. I, I agree with you. I cannot believe that he's not a part of the Ring of Honor. And it was, I mean, the guy was the guy was legendary. All right, absolutely. Uh, and I mean, off the field, the stuff I, I, that he did for the community, I don't think people understand what he did and how valuable he was to building the Denver Broncos into what they were. Not just on the field, but off the field. We all know about his. His match or his boxing match boxing with Muhammad match. Ali, but it's what he did to help kids and what he did to help people across the Denver and Front Range community. I mean, going up to Fort Collins and working with kids. I, I mean, I get it. He played for the Raiders, but let let's remember that it wasn't his choice to leave the Broncos in the first place. So, I, I think it's time for grudges to be put to bed to realize that the Broncos do not have the success that they do in 1977 and 78 without Lyle Alzado. Uh, uh, no question. No question. And the only NFL player to ever come out of Yankton College. <laughs> Don't even ask me. And it's somewhere in South Dakota, I think. It's uh, East River. My, my wife is actually from South Dakota. She grew up in Rapid City. So it's East River. There's East River, which is Eastern South Dakota, and she's from West River. There's a forever grudge between the two on which side is better. So, I'll tell you what. He must have been. He must have been unblockable at college, like Yankton College. Floyd oh, yeah. Little. Floyd Little. The franchise. I I will argue that he was. Dave Logan told me when I wrote about Floyd Little finally getting into the Hall of Fame. I wrote a column about it. Dave Logan called Floyd Little. John Elway before John Elway. Wow. Wow. There is there is no Denver Broncos without Floyd Little. Because in the late 60s, as Dave Logan told me, there was no other reason to watch the Denver Broncos than Floyd Little. And everyone in the stadium, whether it was Old Bear Stadium before it changed to Mile High Stadium, the defenses, the fans, everyone knew what the Denver Broncos were going to do, and they still couldn't stop it. Okay, what was the single most... Uh, unique or defining feature about Floyd Little and his running style, if you remember. I, I just from based on what I've heard from from the veteran fans and from Dave Logan, it, it just it, he he looked and played like Jim Brown. Like it, a lot of people will say, Jim Brown has said that Floyd Little was better than him. So I I think it's just the way that he ran and the fact that teams knew what the Broncos were going to do because they didn't have anything else and they still couldn't stop him. I think that, that, that defines not only a hall of fame player, but a transcendent player. I, I think you're right on with that. And it was, and I, I love the fact that he was pigeon toed and bow legged and you know, <laughs> Shannon Sharp. Oh man. I Tom Jackson in for my generation. I, I obviously wasn't ever able to, I've seen clips of Tom Jackson and, and being the, the vocal piece and the face, at least on camera, 
of the Denver Broncos, but Shannon Sharp, I, I, I to me, the greatest tight end who ever played football. And, and he was un, uncoverable because he was too fast for linebackers and too big for defensive backs. And I don't think the Broncos have the success that they do with Mike Shanahan and those back-to-back Super Bowl years without Shannon Sharp and what he brought to that team. It, I mean, you add Rod Smith and Ed McCaffrey, you obviously have Terrell Davis and that offensive line, but you add in Shannon Sharp. I, I mean, and, and just the fact that he, he backed up everything he said, right? Like, I, I mean, I wish I could trash talk like Shannon Sharp, but I also wish I could back it up too. I tell you what, that little piece that's on NFL films, and you can you see it every once in a while. Where I don't know who they're playing, and they're drilling somebody out, and he gets on the phone, the player oh, phone, up, yeah, and it, it's he, the fans are all right on right next to him, and he gets on the phone and he's calling for reinforcements or for the police or something because they were they were pounding somebody. Yeah, he he calls the president and says, "Mr. President, we are killing the Patriots. Send reinforcements." <laughs> Bill Romanowski. Oh, one of those Lyle Alzado figures. Like you loved him when he was on your team and hated him when he wasn't. I, I think he was a key member of the Broncos defense. Obviously had his moments. The the spitting on JJ Stokes will always and forever, I think, be a part of, of Bill Romanowski, as is the performance enhancing drugs. But he brought that element to that defense of Greg Robinson that I don't know if they have the success they do without him having that we are going to punch you in the mouth. And he was going to do anything and everything he could to not only get his defense fired up and ready to go, but he was going to make the play too. I I mean, he, I don't know if he'll, I don't think he'll ever be in the ring of fame, but I, I don't think that the defense is as good without him. I don't think there's any question. All right. Now you said your wife's from South Dakota. I did. Western South Dakota which is where Mount Rushmore stands. And for those international listeners that we have, we got a ton of UK listeners and Irish listeners. Mount Rushmore is a monument to uh, it's basically gigantic carvings into a mountain of past U.S. presidents. And I want you to pick for me the four Mount Rushmore, the faces that you put on the Denver Broncos Mount Rushmore. Well, obviously, there's two. You, you have to go John Elway, Floyd Little. I, I, I go back and forth with this because do you put Pat Bowen on there? Because I don't know if the Broncos have the success that they do over that time without him. But if, we're, if we just go players, John Elway, Floyd Little, I would say Randy Gratishar, and... <clears throat> I, I think I would then go with probably Terrell Davis. Really? I'll tell you what, you couldn't, you couldn't, you ain't losing with any of those guys because those guys were all great, great, great players. And I tell yeah. you, Ian, it's so fun to, to have you on the show and get into, you know, get it, really get, do a deep dive into uh, one of the most iconic, iconic franchises in the National Football League. Um, you know, I, I don't know if you know this, but our engineer and uh, producer, Mike, is, I mean, he bleeds orange. And I he mean, does. he hemorrhages it, right? He's hemorrhaging yeah, right absolutely. now. He's hemorrhaging right now. So give, give before you go, give Mike some reason for hope. 
I, I think it's always it's always the darkest before the the calm. <laughs> and I, I think there is, I, as hard as it is, as hard as it is for Broncos country to see it because it's been we're on six years of this now. I think there's hope coming. I, I there is a new owner coming in. I, I think that's been cast. It's just a matter of who. Uh, I, I I as I said earlier, I think it's going to be Jeff Bezos. It, it it's always the calmest. It's always <clears throat> the darkest before the calm. And I I, I do think that while it, it's it's tough right now, it's frustrating the fact that the Broncos are irrelevant and don't matter. That's about to change, and I I think that's where the hope needs to lie. Okay. Now, before we cut you loose, obviously we've got fans from Hawaii to Russia, and uh, there's a big contingent of Bronco fans. How can they tap into what you guys do? How can they hear hear your podcast, listen to your takes, read your stuff? So go to milehighreport.com. You can also go to playcolorado.com. Now that I, I heard you on your prior segment talking about being in Vegas and betting, sports betting is now legal in Colorado, and it's just taking off. So go to playcolorado.com. We have the latest Broncos odds, avalanche odds, Nuggets odds, NFL, all of it. So check it out. In terms of Broncos-specific coverage, I have my Mile High Report radio podcast with my co-host Adam Malnati. We have my columns, analysis, breakdowns, film review, numbers, anything and everything that you want on the Denver Broncos, we have it at Mile High Report. Offer up opinions that not everyone will always agree with, but we're willing to do it because we know it needs to be said and that's what we do. Well, if you're, if you're a Broncos fan, you got to tune into these guys. And if you're, if you're a fan of any of the AFC West teams, you better tune in because again, they're, they're constantly talking about what's going on in that, in that division. I got to leave you with this, my man. And that is a mile high salute. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been an awesome time. Ian. Thank you, Jeff. Mile high salute back to you. And anytime you want me on, just let me know. It's it's a pleasure to talk with you about the Broncos. And hopefully we're in for brighter times in the coming months and, and years. Well, next time I talk to Ma, I'll tell him you said hello. But do that. I very much appreciate that. Thanks, Jeff. All right, buddy. Take care of yourself. You too. That was Ian Sinclair from Mile High Report. What a what a great interview with some. Now you how, he offered you some hope, my man. He offered Ian, you and the rest of that bunch of donkeys support. I I I I know Ian's watching this first off. Ian, thanks for coming on. Secondly, Ian, I never I never told you, Jeff. So Raiders fun. So uh, <laughs> hey, here, Jeff, look. This is a site that terrifies you, my man. This oh, is all I have to, to look on to. Yeah, I'm going to tell you something. If that happens, watch out. <laughs> I'm telling you, watch out because Ian hit on some things that really, really are true. That is a very prideful, number one, organization. Number two, fan base, right? And I tell you, there is, you know, if you go to if you go to the state of Colorado, they've got Colorado State, they got Air Force, they got the University of Colorado, and none of those Northern Colorado, none of those places, none of those programs on it, they are all about the Denver Broncos in that state. Fred Flunk, mahalo. He said, what's up, buddy? It's good to have Fred back with us. Fred is now one of the happiest men in Ireland because his Cowboys continue to pound on folks. And I think, I hate this, and I'm going to say this, and usually I'm the kiss of oh, death. Oh, no, it's only, it's only I, week seven. I do believe that the Cowboys are for real, Michael. Oh, I do God. believe that the Cowboys are for real. They're better on defense. Uh, they're, 
you know, Dak is playing extremely high level and they got weapons all over that field. The offensive line is healed up and they're making a few plays on special teams. So I, I don't know. I don't know why you wouldn't say the Cowboys are for real right now. Jeff, I got to go in seven minutes, so very quickly, we're going to go through all the comments here. First off, Dan from Torquay on Twitter saying Vic Fangio needs to go. He stood up last night, and the first drive was painful to watch. He needs to go now. Personally, right now, I think he should go. Uh, you're talking about Fred Flunk and the Cowboys. The Broncos playing the Cowboys in two weeks. Sweet Jesus. Uh, David Crook, what's going on with the Dolphins? Can't seem to get their uh, get out of their own way to win. Uh, who is steering the ship? Uh, look, man. Brian, I mean, like the the, the, the lads from the Irish show, uh, Brian and Mark went to the press conference last week, and even speaking to some guys, the Dolphins last week, their the vibe around that team in the minute, Jeff, isn't great. Well, let me just say this, right? One of the things that the media loves to do, and particularly the American media loves to do more than anything else, is they love to see people take a fall. And you know what? Uh, Obviously, it's not going the way anybody envisioned it would go right now in in uh, Miami. But certainly, I think that Flores is the right guy for that job. I think he's gonna he's got to rally that football team. They're they're hurt. There's a number of things that are wrong. It's never one thing. It's never one guy. But bottom line is, you know, if you're the head coach, if the buck stops at your desk, and this is a team that should be five and one, not one and five. And and uh, until they get it fixed, the, you know, the questions are going to continue to go that way. Shout out to Connor at Connor B141 asking is Vic Fangio about to get fired? My betting is he loses this job after next Sunday. Broncos play the Washington football team next Sunday, Jeff. I can't see it happening uh, between now and then. It would have happened this morning. Jeff, Adam Hayes from the UK saying, after the Chiefs win last week, do you think they can build on this in the weeks to come like they did when they won the Super Bowl? And also, can the Jags go on a run after that win in London? Well, like Trevor I, Lawrence is majestic, Jeff. His hair is majestic. Uh, would you stop? Would you stop? Oh let me, let me, let's talk about the Chiefs first, right? Let's talk about a football team that has a chance to get to the Super Bowl. And then the next, we'll talk, we'll get to the Jags. Yeah, yeah. I think the thing with the Chiefs right now, even though they won last week, they're still playing too sloppy a football for my liking, right? And I think, you know, you're in a tough, tough division where, you know, the Raiders are going to make you work and, the you know, the Broncos – play good defense san diego or san diego the chargers are playing extremely well and their their young quarterbacks playing at a high level you know and and that starts with their offensive play their play at quarterback they got to clean it up and they got to stop throwing interceptions and get back to being the chiefs and then the the defense is a little bit of a concern to me right now can they get it on a roll yes i think they can but it has to start now your guys in jacksonville your majestic quarterback he is starting to show signs of why he was taken in the first round. You're starting to see the learning curve. It's starting to come. It's starting to slow down for him. You can see it as you watch him play. They have a long way to go, but certainly stopping that 20 game skid was critical. Uh, it gives Urban a little break, and it's going to give that team that team. I can't, Mike. I can't describe to you, and I can't describe to the fans really the difference a win or a loss means when you come into the locker room to go to work the next day and, you know, the, the practice is the next week. So obviously that's a huge, huge, you know, boulder off their shoulder. And, and again, I think it's a positive step and I'd like to see Jacksonville, frankly, four minutes. I'm going to go four minutes. Let's bomb through this. Alex Wilson, Jeff. 
Does Meyer still have a future with the Jags? Yes, I think he does, but it's again, it's it's touchy. Do the Lions record play suggest <laughs> that they really are going to be 0-16? I can't see the Lions going 0-16. Uh, I think they play hard. Obviously, they are they have a long way to go, and uh, you know this is not a great weekend for them uh, getting getting pounded. Oh, my brother from over on the the island of Kauai. Says, go Ticats, brother. Yes, we are going to go tomorrow. We play at uh, 4 o'clock. I believe it's on B- BT Sport. And uh, you can catch us against the Ottawa I Red think Bucks. it's on BT Sport, yes. It, it, it might not be. You know, do you know why, Jeff? Because of college football. I will confirm that for you in the next two minutes. All right, here we go. Charles McBride, who is a big-time Raiders fan, he says, hey, Coach, how do you see the AFC West finishing the season? Uh, tribe from Hamilton. Charles, you know, I know what you're asking me. You're asking me about our Raiders. I think that the Raiders will be the, the Raiders will finish third in that division. I think it's going to be down to Kansas City and San Diego, uh, San Diego, golly, and the and the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, but I do think the Raiders will finish third in that division, and I think the Broncos will be fourth. Jeff, unfortunately, the NLCS game six is taking you off tomorrow on BT Sport, but BC at Winnipeg. And Calgary are playing such, 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 I can't even pronounce it. Saskatchewan, man. Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan. <laughs> okay, there's a couple more ones very quickly here. And then that's us. Yeah, Fred flung very happy with your Cowboys. Also, Fred, thanks for all the comments. He did ask me, Jeff, to say, yeah. Can you give us your scores out of its hand on the Guinness Surge? Basically, there's a machine in Ireland now, Jeff, that puts the Guinness out like a pub in your house. You have to charge it with a USB. It's it's real. I'll show you later on. 11 out of 10, Fred. 11 out of 10. Fred, uh, Fred, Jeff, very quickly, my man. Bengals, Ravens. Who have we got? Ravens. I've got the Ravens as well. Uh, Bears, Bucks. Bucks. Even without Gronkowski, <laughs> even without Brown, Bucks. I feel like Tom Brady, Tom Brady could play with one arm and still win that game, boys. Uh, Colts 49ers. That, that, that's, now, that's this, is an, this is an interesting one, and I think this is going to be a hell of a game. right? DeForest Buckner is going back to San Francisco. That's that's the storyline for you right there. I, I think that the, the quarterback situation in San Francisco will become much muddier. I'm just going to say this, much muddier after this game. I think that San Francisco is going to win the football game, but – you know, again, I would not be surprised. I think it's going to be a very, very close football game. Jeff, Monday Night Football, I have got the Seahawks going up against the Saints. I've got the Saints. We can't go live on Tuesday because I'm in Portugal, selling up the Rays, but we'll go live on Wednesday if you want. Uh, and Monday Night Football, obviously, from Central Europe. Going with the Saints, who have you got? I'm going to take the Saints. I think the Seahawks are struggling right now on defense, and obviously Geno Smith is not the answer at quarterback. Yes, sir. I hear that, that was a good show. It was a good crack. Good fun. Great show. Great show. Great having you with me. I, I hope that you feel better about your Broncos now that we got your little orange crush in your in your life today. <laughs> it was good to have you in on, but also Coach Jags as well. That was how about Jags telling those stories? If we have missed, to get him on the offseason, Jeff. Seriously, that, that was we'll, hey, listen, he's a buddy of mine. We can get him on anytime we want. But I tell you what, I hope everybody out there, thank you so much for the comments, for for tuning in. Michael and I appreciate it very much. We are only weeks now away from doing this over in the UK, and I look forward to it. There's a rumor floating around, Michael, that we may end up having a little episode of Coffee with Coach in a pub in Ireland. 
you tell me the date, man, and we'll, and we'll make it happen. Uh, hopefully more news than that uh, next week or the week after. And also probably looking at next Wednesday live. I think next Wednesday, Jeff, live, potentially. I, I can't. Um, I'm, I'm not going to do you in Hawaii with a Wi-Fi. I, I, like if I go to Portugal, who knows what's going to happen. So <laughs> let's see what happens, man. Uh, all right. Appreciate, all right. Appreciate Look forward to it. Aloha. Thank you. And thank all you.